Hello everyone. Welcome back to Causey's Conversations. Uh, my name is Jared Causey and I'm here with my good friend, brother in Christ, Stephen Klaus. How's it going, Stephen? Uh, it's going real good. It's going real good. How you doing, Jared? I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, Stephen is uh, from the DeRitter area. Um, I think we're about the same age, right, Stephen? About, are you 25? 26, I mean? Yeah, we're pretty close. Yeah, okay. So, 26, um, I'll be 27. Yeah. Um, so, what do you do for a living? Um, you know, do you have a family? What's uh, what's your story? In a real quick, um, I guess, quick summary of that. Real quick. Uh, yeah. Real quick. Uh, I am the husband of one wife, one very beautiful uh, wife, and uh, we have three girls, uh, two little ones, and one big adopted one. <laughs> and um, I am a bivocational youth pastor here in the Derrida area. Okay. So that's awesome. kind of awesome. Me. <laughs> Good deal. So I, I didn't even know that y- y'all adopted a, a kid. That's new to me, actually. Yeah, it's kind of unofficial oh, official okay. thing. She's uh, out of our youth group. But, you know, okay. All right. Needed a home to go to. Oh, cool. That's awesome. That's a big. That's a big deal. That's really cool. Um, so yeah. So today, me and Steven... Um, this wasn't actually planned. Um, at first, I was just going to do a solo um, episode on um, essentially the this this new movement that has been kind of moving south and east a lot. Um, it seems like it's come from the west. I mean, there's there's a lot of influences I think everywhere in our country in this in this movement, but <clears throat> specifically the the movement that we're seeing seems to be coming into the southwest Louisiana area. Um, even though I don't live there, I'm, I'm, I'm from that area. I care about a lot of people there. I mean, I care about the people there in general, actually. Um, specifically, I have a lot of loved ones there and uh, got a lot of good friends uh, like Stephen and others there. And um, I care about the churches greatly. So I, this is a this topic is very personal, um, and it's probably even more personal uh, for Stephen because um, he has a bit of an experience in this movement um, in, in, in a, I guess maybe a, maybe it is a different movement, but it's kind of the same. Uh, it's, it's, it's similar, right? Um, mm-hmm. you, you kind of grew up in the, in a Pentecostal yeah. church, correct? Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, so this is important, but you know, um, today we're going to, we're going to discuss this movement. Um, the movement I'm referring to is the new apostolic reformation. Now this, this movement has began to take root. It seems in a lot of churches, it's already done so through the, the worship that a lot of churches, um, use, uh, the songs that they use in corporate service. Um, but it's also through just some of the theology and the practice and the teachings. <clears throat> and we'll go through some of that later on. But, um, <clears throat> first off, you know, a lot of people, one of the biggest complaints I get, I don't know about you, Stephen, is that, you know, the why do we have to talk about this? You know, why do we have to talk about um, false teachers? Why do we have to talk about individual teachers that are preaching maybe a gospel we don't agree with or they're preaching based on theology we don't agree with? Um, you know, is I mean, that is an important thing to do, and, and I would highly disagree with that, uh, that question uh, or that uh, the response there that we usually get. But, um, Stephen... Um, we, we talked about this earlier. What, um, how do we know, I guess, on what, what scripture passages do we have that will, that kind of communicate, communicates to us that, you know, we need to speak 
out against these movements? Uh, on what basis do we have this? Oh, well, there's, there's tons of scripture, including from Christ himself, that express the need to um, not only to watch out for false teachers, to be aware that they exist, which a lot of people don't even like to acknowledge their existence anymore or teach that you need to watch for it, um, much less actually point out false teaching or false teachers. Um, but, I mean, you've got the examples uh, from Paul of him pointing out false teachers and John who pointed out uh, those in the local church who were teaching, you know, against the apostles teaching and against Christ and against scripture. Um, you know, you had them pointing out uh, factions that were rising up, the Judaizers primarily in their day, um, Christ in Revelation uh, when writing the seven letters, he mm -hmm. pointed out the group known as the Nicolaitans. Um, you know, so you have throughout the New Testament, uh, you know, the church age, if you will, uh, making it very clear, even from our Messiah, that, hey, there are guys out there who are false teachers and you yeah. need to identify them. Yeah. And um, while I wouldn't agree with, like, making your whole existence about finding them and weeding them out and pointing them out, we still need to be aware of them and be able to you know, speak to our brothers and sisters, particularly those in leadership, be able to speak to the congregations and say, look, this teaching is false. It goes against scripture. Um, and here are some of the big leaders of it. Uh, maybe you would want to show some discretion with, you know, some more tertiary issues. You know, like I'm not going to, I don't agree with the uh, Presbyterians, but I'm not going to call out every, you know, Presbyterian minister yeah. just because, you know, <clears throat> disagree with certain points of theology. It's those yeah. that are just so go against um, what Scripture teaches and what God has given us as, you know, orthodox and um, biblical. Yeah. And I would say, too, like this, like the criticism that we're providing here is not about necessarily the cessation or continuation of gifts of uh, apostolic gifts, you know, so you have the two main positions, cessationism, continuationism. Um, I mean, the cessationist position is, you know, the one I, t I hold to. I'm pretty sure you do too, right? The, yeah, okay, I thought so. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so um, I believe that the apost we both believe that apostolic gifts are, have ceased, <clears throat> and uh, yet God still does work miracles, you know, individual Maybe he might heal someone if he desires to, um, but that's not normative. That's not a common thing in the church. So um, this isn't about cessationism and, and versus con the continuationist position, the position, the opposite position. That it's, they still exist. The the gifts do. They should operate in in a normal fashion. <clears throat> so that's um, those are those that those are the two positions. But those aren't what we're really going to discuss here today. We're going to be discussing essentially the, basically the the, the heretical, um, maybe um, even heterodox positions. Um, heterodox just means kind of it's not necessarily heresy, but it's uh, not orthodoxy either. It's it's pretty problematic, but not necessarily damnable. But <clears throat> so we're going to discuss those issues, not necessarily the, those two, because you know we look, we have a lot of friends and respect a lot of people that hold to continuationism. Um, Piper, Chandler, Platt, those guys. You know, they I respect them a lot. I just went to a Piper conference, and they're they're really great 
pastors and preachers and stuff. So that's not what we're going to be focusing on here today. I just want to kind of make that uh, clear. And also um, want to make clear, too, that that this is not an attack on anyone in particular, a specific person. Right now, this is more of a, I would say, um, an attack on the ideas, the theology, the movement itself at, at large. So if anyone takes this personal, make sure, I hope, just keep in mind, this isn't, in, we're not intending to offend you as an individual. <clears throat> now, you know, honestly, if you're offended, you might, that might be conviction by the Holy Spirit because we're essentially saying things that might um, strike at your theology. Um, and that's, but, the, but I don't intend to hurt anyone's feelings. This is just to make people aware and understand that, hey, this is out here. This movement is here. So <clears throat> before we um, kind of get into the specifics of this movement, um, there's a verse I wanted to share. In first, uh, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So, it's pretty self-explanatory, Stephen. Um, you know, there are false teachers, false prophets, whatever, that <clears throat> are bringing in heresies to the church. Um, and... In this past, I mean, obviously, uh, Peter is is telling the church, hey, be aware of these people. He's not saying this just, you know, for their health, you know, I guess for their spiritual health, but not just for whatever reason, um, for any random reason. This is specifically for, so that they are warned against these heresies, against these false teachers. I mean, these are individuals that he's essentially not attacking, but he's warning them about, you know, he's not attacking them personally, obviously, in, in a, you know, um, a, um, I guess an inappropriate manner. Um, he's just calling them out and, um, and discussing these things with the church. So, um, Stephen, do you have a verse you wanted to read or was, um, is that, is that all you wanted to share? Um, uh, no, I mean, Peter, I mean, there in, and it's not just in that uh, first verse. Um, it's throughout, you know, basically from that point, almost through the rest of that book, um, he is warning about the dangers of false teachers, false teaching, um, just echoing um, what Christ said in, uh, like, Matthew chapter uh, 7, where he said, look, you, there will be false teachers. He called them, you know, we get the term wolves in sheep's clothing from yeah. that passage in Matthew is they will come to you like ravaging wolves, you know, and uh, just you've got to look at uh, the fruit, not look at what they say, not look at, um, you know, how, how sweet the words are or whatever, but look at what is coming out of, like what is the fruit of that? Is it, uh, is it the good fruit? Is it, you know, fruit of the Spirit, those sorts of things, or is it something else? Is it something corrupted? And just, you know, Watch out for that and um, identify it so that you do not take part in it, so you're not deceived by it. Uh, yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so um, in regards to the New Apostolic Reformation, we know that there have been certain organizations that have kind of sprung up out of the NAR. <clears throat> you know, um, in fact, Bethel, a major 
a major influence in this movement, big party in this movement. Um, they have a school, it's the Bethel School of Supernatural stuff, whatever. Um, they they train people and send them out to um, essentially bring this message uh, that we're going to be discussing to the world. And I mean, Bill Johnson has said this on many interviews. His intention is to get his theology into every single church. That's what he wants. That's what that's what the new apostolic reformation wants. Um, there are there there's a name for it. Um, it's like the seven mountains. Um, you know what I'm talking about? The seven mountains doctrine that they. What's that? Yeah, dominionism. The, yeah, the dominion. Yeah, the, dominion theology. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's look. If you look that up, it, it's it's a pretty. Um, I don't know if I would call it heretical. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's heterodox, but it, it's a very. It's a very. Um, I don't think it's a very good. It's very biblical for sure. But it, it's essentially the doctrine that the church should basically, essentially, bring down heaven to earth. So heaven dwells with with on, upon the earth now. Yeah. Like in this present day. Um, however, we know that that's not going to happen yet. That that's not going to happen until Christ returns. So, I mean, the point of Christ returning is for him to reconcile all things to himself, like Colossians uh, chapter chapter 2, 1 or 2 says. So, um, Christ is reconciling all things to himself, but it will not be completed until the last days. Um, and we're not there yet. Uh, we're not in the, the end, per se. Um, so, anyway, uh, that's getting off a little off subject, but... Um, that's that's another thing that the NAR does teach uh, this Dominion theology, um, Seven Mountains, type, uh, whatever that is. Um, I just saw it today on a post, Facebook post about that. But anyway, so um, the the church I believe has come in contact with NAR. Um, not everyone's familiar with it, of course, and most of them aren't even aware of what they're interacting with um, when they hear this. They they see this theology. Um, a lot of people that are NAR um, supporters, um, they're in this movement, they will um, essentially dress their language um, in maybe certain terms, certain phrases, certain uh, concepts that you know everyone will you know essentially agree with just so that they can I, I think get their ideas okay. into yeah. So um, so for example, What's that? Oh no! I was just and for sure, um, I'd taken time to <laughs> actually pulled a, a Todd White uh, sermon the other day and listen. Did my best to listen to the whole thing. It was about an hour and a half. Yeah. That he spoke. He just opened up his own university. As a matter of fact, you're talking about Bethel's uh, school. Oh, like right down my road. Gift. Yeah, Todd White just opened up uh, some sort of university similar to that um, with the intention of teaching, um, you know, the gifts and how to use them and all of that in, uh, I think, in your area. I want to say in Dallas. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Um, it's right down the road. I'm not me. sure. Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit of a lag, yeah. We have a little bit but, of a lag uh, here, by I the was way. Listening to so. Him. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was listening to him the other day, and... Uh, yeah, if you're not listening very carefully, 
um, and you're not already like aware of who he is and some of the things he has stated in the past uh, more clearly, um, if you just pull up one of his sermons, he can be very convincing just from the language he uses unless you listen closely to what he says and here's you know you hear some of the the way he phrases things um to where it sounds good to the average christian but at the same time he is communicating something that is um like you say you know heterodox unorthodox um potentially even heretical um so you yeah you have to be extremely careful with um with these teachers and the and the you know the more popular they become, the more they are going to, you know, cover up and and word things very carefully, uh, so as not to, you know, stir the waters too much, um, so that they can gain continue to gain popularity. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Todd, his his school is actually um, they are sharing that building with another school, another private school. I have a friend. A good friend, a good, um, good couple friend, that um, he was actually my pastor. His wife, uh, he used to be my pastor here in uh, Fort Worth. Um, his wife taught there at that school, and when she found out that Todd White was was bringing his school there, she essentially left. Um, she spoke out against it, and so uh, pretty pretty crazy um, that yeah, he's he's here though. Um, and you know Todd Bentley is around here too. He's actually in Lindale, Texas. Um, you know Todd Buck, right? Oh, wow. You know, um, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, Todd Buck, yeah. He um, at that's uh, that's where he's at at First Baptist Church of Lindale. So oh. Todd Bentley though is at a you know a neighboring church nearby. So he spoke out against it. I'm pretty sure. So, but um, anyway, so um. Specifically, though, you know, we I don't want this to be necessarily just us talking about the NAR movement as a whole. Um, we're going to talk about how it's influenced people, um, how it's influenced people in in the areas that we're familiar with. So, um, I'm I, you know obviously I'm from uh, really familiar with the Southwest Louisiana area. Um, grew up there my whole life, pretty much until like you know a year and a half ago. You've lived there your whole life, Stephen, and um, so. You know, yeah. we're, we're but we both care about that area, and, and who knows what the Lord does? He might lead me and Amy back there. We'll see. But either way, uh, we have a lot of friends there that have been uh, influenced. I'm afraid by this movement, and um, specifically an organization. Now, again, let me highlight this: we are not attacking anyone in particular. I just want to make that clear, um, just just so that uh, that that in, just in case someone feels uh, offended. That this is not a personal attack, but there's a, a, an organization called Carry the Love that has recently has been go- traveling throughout the United States, um, doing different things at, at um, on college campuses. And as far as I know, it's essentially a group of, of uh, young people, college students, I believe, that they go around. Uh, they actually might be out of college. I'm I'm not quite sure, hundred percent. But they they do a tour. They go around and essentially they are they're missionaries, essentially. They're, they're missionaries, though, for the NAR, um, is, is, as far as I can tell uh, and from the evidence I've seen. Um, they go in, they have a worship night the first night. The next day, they'll have a evangelism class or something like that, a ladies' night, too. But then they'll end it with a, another worship service. So um, 
the reason this popped up on my radar is I have a lot of friends that I um, am, I'm, I see and interact with on social media. They have posted uh, a lot about this event, and um, it, it seems like it's gotten a lot of traction. A lot of people went. It looked, from their perspective, very successful. So, and it, and it did look like it was a good turnout for them. Um, I wanted we, me and Stephen, uh, wanted to, to kind of discuss this just because we want churches to be aware of movements like this to understand, pick out what is maybe see through the language of um, the Christianese language that is so common amongst us. Maybe see through that and be able to tell this is. This is something deeper. This is something more um, problematic than I originally thought. Now, I want to say this too. People involved in this group, they yeah. might be believers. I don't know. I don't know anyone in the movement um, that, that works for this organization personally. Just I, I see what I see, what I see on social media, on YouTube. We watched a YouTube me and you both did, um, Stephen, uh, the speaker. We, watched, we listened to the speaker. I don't remember who he was listened to him, saw the service, so we, we know a little bit what they do. So um, this they, they, they came to uh, McNeese, McNeese State, State University, it's in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and they also um, use the BC and the Baptist Collegiate Ministry. Um, and if you don't know this, the SBC, yeah. individual local churches, they usually, most of them do anyway, I think, they do provide funds that go directly to the BCMs. So... If you're involved in a local church, SBC church, your tithe money, your your money, um, the money that you give to the church, local church, it goes to the BCM. So you might not know what's going on in the BCM. Now, usually the BCM folks will, will go to different churches and serve them and help them and do different things, um, which is great. I, I did that. I was part of the BCM. I was, in fact, a, a part of the Matt BCM. But um, the, the Magnus BCM allowed um, this this organization to go and um, lead a worship service. Now, I'm not going to get into anyone personally, but I've I've heard that it did not go over well with leadership at the BCM, and it did not go over well with many of the members. Um, now, I say that just because I want to make sure and and. And communicate that I believe that there have been steps being taken to maybe correct some of the things that happened there. Um, I was told one of the things that I was told was that there was um, his, uh, hysterical laughing going on in the middle of the service. Now I've never personally experienced this. I wasn't there. But I was told by two different people this happened. So I, this is this is good information. I trust my sources here. Um, now, Stephen, have you ever experienced his, hysterical laughing, being drunk in the Holy Spirit, laughing hysterically? I'm not going to ask if you did that. But. Yes. Uh, <laughs> probably, uh, like if you if you like YouTube did or something or. Um, you would see some extreme examples of that from uh, uh, churches like Kenneth Copeland's church and, and some, some other guys. Um, you know, if you've seen any of the Brownsville stuff, um, which was a revival back in the 90s, mm -hmm. I believe, in yeah. Brownsville in Florida. Um, you've seen some extreme examples of that. 
uh, I've never seen, you know, people crawling on the ground, barking like dogs, all that. Uh, but probably like the level they probably saw at the BCM, I have experienced. Uh, I've done it myself. Um, where you know people start just laughing um for no reason really um you know mm-hmm. yeah I, <laughs> I, i've done it i've seen it um so i, I kind of have an idea of what it probably looked like but i wasn't there and uh, i haven't spoken to anybody who was there like you have so uh, i can probably guess just from my experience what it was but um yes I've yeah seen it. Yeah, so um, that happened there. That's, I mean, that's kind of low-hanging fruit. I think most people would, outside of that movement anyway, recognize that that's a problem. That's not um, appropriate practice. We don't see the early church ever break out in hysterical laughter. That, that I've read. I mean, maybe it's there, but I haven't read that. I mean, if, and if it is there, I'd like to know the context of, uh, of that and why they did it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just um, make, put my stance out there. That's not biblical. But anyway, so um, continuing on um, to other things in this movement, the one thing that is probably the biggest problem uh, for me personally about the NAR movement is um, the kenosis heresy that is pretty prevalent in the movement. Now, maybe not every NAR um, movement uh, um, participant um, understands this, but the kenosis heresy is is held by Bill Johnson, one of the NAR leaders, um, Todd White. All, and this is not a necessarily um, an organized structural hierarchy type deal where Bill Johnson's the king and then Todd White, you got all these you know, other guys down below him. It, it's not really that. It's, it's just people that hold to this theology, common theology. Um, and it's uh, kind of, um, anyone can be a part of it, really, as long as you go to you know, a church that agrees with their, that theology and, and practice. But the Kenosis Heresy essentially teaches that Christ, when he came came on earth, when he was um, when he dwelled amongst men, he essentially um, emptied out uh, the nature inside of him that was God. So Christians historically have believed that God that Christ had two natures: a human nature and a um, a, a, God, a, a nature that was of God. Um, so both of those natures existed within him. However. The, the the NAR movement would say, or the those that are leaders in it would say that that Christ emptied himself. So they use the the popular um, hymn in Philippians. I, th- I believe it's him anyway. The that that where it says Christ emptied himself out. Um, now that's not talking about he emptied out his nature. He basically emptied out his privileges of being God. Um, yes, he he was still God in nature, but he was not necessarily God in practice. Um, like he would have been um, in heaven when he existed before time. Now, as far as I know, they believe, I don't think the NAR, or like Bill Johnson, those guys believe that Christ was created. I don't think they're um, Arians, uh, Arius's, uh, you know, followers or whatever, um, the Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness guys, but they do believe that that God's, uh, that Christ's nature is was, uh, he emptied himself of, of God. So, I would say I don't know, Stephen, if you um, if you would agree with this, but that's a that's heresy according to the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed teaches that Christ was fully God, um, that that from from all of eternity till he came here on Earth and and dwelt among us. So um, that's that's the first major problem. Um, do you have anything to add to that? 
on that on that point? Well, yeah, and um, one, uh, you know, the the like you said, it's not really an organization. It's not like a denomination or something like that, uh, or any sort of organized movement. Um, it's basically just a collection of speakers and uh, pastors and those sorts of things who hold in common, you know, and they go to conferences with each other and tours and all that, go to each other's churches, um, two of which are Bill Johnson, Todd White, who, um, as you mentioned, believe in this kenosis uh, theory. Um, you know, Christ was essentially just a man, even though he came from God, he was God, he came down and then was just, you know, average Joe. Um, I would say that if you talk to someone who maybe follows Bill Johnson, Todd White, listens to them, Todd Bentley, listens to them, follows them, you know, you know, one of their groupies sort of, they may not necessarily agree with that if it was expressed in that way. They may say, yeah. well, no, that's not right. Um, but it's the fact that they are being influenced by these guys, and those guys hold to this uh, theology that, you know, look, you need to be aware that this will ultimately influence you and your thinking. You know, the theology they are teaching you is based on this. Yeah. Um, like I was telling you earlier before we started recording that, you know, a lot of people probably aren't even aware of kenosis theory and, you know, that that belief even existed anywhere, um, much less that there were prominent teachers now teaching it and believing it. And if you pull up the average sermon on YouTube from Bill Johnson, Todd White, you're not going to hear that expressed in so many terms. Now, there are places where they have explicitly stated it, but you're probably not going to hear it on the average. But that influences, that is the foundation of all their other theology about mm -hmm. how, the, you know, the, how the Holy Spirit can work in you and, you know, how you operate in this world as a Christ follower is based on the idea that Christ, everything he did on earth, he did as a man, just like we did, under the power of the Holy Spirit, that means that everything Christ did, everything that Christ was mm -hmm. on this earth, you can be too. So it yeah. brings Christ down from his rightful spot, and it brings man up saying, hey, you can do everything Christ did. You, um, you know, it's not just that God is on your side. You are, you know, equal to Christ. Um, and yeah. so that's what... Um, you know, need to understand we're not just picking hairs here like, oh, well, they said something one time. And they, no, this is the basis of everything else they teach. Yeah. And uh, so people need to be aware of that. Yeah. And um, there's a, a movie I've, I've promoted it before, American Gospel. Um, it it highlights, it, yeah. it proves that. It, it proves it in that movie that Bill Johnson has taught that, Todd White has. It's, it's there. So if you want to go watch it, see it for yourself, please do. Um, so that's, that's good. That was good, Stephen. Um, that was way better than I could have explained that. But, um, that, and I was, I was actually gonna, gonna, um, bring that up too, if, uh, if you didn't, but yeah, that's, that's why it's so important to have good theology, um, because it, it will empty out or spill out into your practice, how you live out your Christian faith. Now, another big thing about this movement is, um, and uh, I didn't know this for a while, actually, till very recently, Bill Johnson actually does, um, he is a prosperity gospel teacher. He is. 
Um, I mean, he doesn't dress it up just like Joel Osteen does, but he is essentially because he does believe that Christ, uh, that God himself wants us to be happy, wealthy, healthy, all those things. Um, he, he wants, he yeah. believes that God wants that for us. So, um, that's, that's another issue. Believing that Christ came and died, not only for our sin, but for all, all of our unhappiness, all of our illnesses, all, you know, for our, our um, essentially died for everything within us that is um, maybe not up to the standard that they would hold um, upon themselves. So, for example, Bill Johnson does not want to be unhealthy. He wants to be wealthy. He wants to be happy. So Christ had to have died for for, for us to be all those things. However, we look throughout Scripture, and that's not the case. We that's It's so it's not even a debate. Like I don't even understand how they can. I've never even heard someone, like, how they would answer that or respond to that. You know, I, I don't get the the beef with that. However, um, now I will. Say, now you might say, well, what does this have have to do with carry the love? Well, the carry the love is their organization is inspired by the the NAR. In fact, I've seen people from that in that movement, uh, in that organization that and supports it and attended it. Um, locally uh, at McNeese, they said even that that Christ died for our illnesses. Christ, you know, died for 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 our sickness. Um, I saw another one uh, claim that that we have we can command our illnesses. We can command our illnesses to go away, which is complete, un, completely unbiblical. It really is. Um, and I, I, it just it, it saddens me. That this is this theology has taken place because what's going to happen, and we've discussed this before, Stephen, um, and you can uh, chime in right after I I, um, I finish this sentence. I know you probably have a lot to say about this. Um, that you know, once these student these students these people these college young kids when they um, when they get out in the real world and, and and God doesn't necessarily take away their 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 unhappiness. Uh, God doesn't give them the money that they want, and God doesn't heal them or heal a loved one. They're going to crash and burn. I don't mean that in a literal sense, uh, but metaphorically, they're going to just—they're going to like, no, no, this, this, this can't be what Christianity is about. And many of them walk away from the faith. It's—it's um, it's depressing. Yeah. Um, but go ahead, Stephen. I know you uh, want to probably chime in on that. What's what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and as far as the whole prosperity prosperity side of uh, this movement, um, you know, you're you're exactly right. But the, the way they do it is very different from old school prosperity preachers. Yeah. You know, Kenneth Copeland, uh, Jesse Duplantis, the old school guys, Creflo Dollar, those guys, they they will be very upfront. You know, about hey, send your money in. Hey, I want a new jet. Send your money in. Plan yeah. seed, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, Bill Johnson, Todd White, those kind of guys, uh, Todd Bentley, that whole, and there's many more than those three. Those are just like the most prominent ones. Um, but uh, the, they're much more toned down about it just because, you know, a lot of times that'll that'll drive off credibility, um, yeah. even though they're, they're very in, in bed with that old school prosperity crowd. You know, they've all done conferences with them. They've all hung out with them. You know, they're all buddies. Um, but they choose a little bit different tack to be a little more sly about it, um, and they 
they uh, point more toward the idea of just kind of a general prosperity, like you pointed out in their health, um, which I think it's funny. Um, you know, Bill Johnson needs glasses. Um, why doesn't he command the healing of his eyes? Uh, you mentioned the American Gospel film. There's a, they actually pull a clip of him uh, at one point in one of his uh, sermons. Um, you know, he's like, oh, the Lord is telling me that someone has just got received healing in their eyes, and there he is standing with his glasses, you know, on his yeah. face. And it's like, okay, well, why didn't you command your healing? Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, and the whole the whole idea of that in this movement, and and this kind of goes into the carry the love movement, which um, isn't just you know kind of generally influenced. Like you you can kind of catch general threads. They um, they've recently promoted on their Facebook page. You can go check it out on their Facebook page. They they are promoting a, a conference with Todd White, Todd Bentley, Bill Johnson, yeah. uh, and a bunch of these guys. They're promoting it. And in the past, if you go to their YouTube page, they uh, which there's no carry the love YouTube page, it's called Circuit Riders. Circuit Riders is like the parent organization of Carry the Love, um, and uh, they've done stuff in the past with guys um, like Mike Bickle, uh, and that's another probably unfamiliar name. He runs the International House of Prayer in Kansas, uh, which is a big thing about the gifts and you know prophecy and all that um they're they're big in this movement too um they they've done events with those guys they they they're not just kind of generally connected and like some of their people may like them no the organizations themselves support these guys and promote them um but uh all of this comes from the idea that christ didn't he they would say, yes, he died for your sin. But when they get up to preach, they don't preach, Christ died for your sin. Christ died to give you power. Christ died to give you the Holy Spirit so that you could walk in power. They won't talk about sin a whole lot. Uh, maybe here and there, and usually it's couched in some other language, like you're broken, you're messed up. You know, yeah. general, just real soft idea of it. Yeah, they'll, they'll and, say... Um, They'll they'll say that um, instead of you know talking about sin, they'll just say freedom, walk in freedom. Um, that's that's yeah. Kind of, yeah. So <laughs> what's that? What'd you, what'd you say? Just, um, you know, break the chains and I'm sorry, we've got lag. Yeah, so we did. We're talking over each other. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Let me start. Let me let's but, let's. Yeah, we're we're really like yeah. Um, so um, yeah, the Todd Bentley actually. Um, if you look up Todd Bentley, he's very famous for. Uh, he'll, <laughs> this is this is really amazing, actually. Uh, not in a good way, of course, but it's it's, it's crazy. Um, he actually got um, he would get people up on um, stage. One lady actually he got up on stage and she had like colon cancer or something. He like rear backed and like punched her in the stomach. Yeah, stomach cancer, and like punched her, kicked her, or something like that. I haven't watched it in a while. I need to go back and watch that. <laughs> um, and like essentially, a claim that that could heal her and stuff like that. I mean, Todd Bentley, who is going to the send the send conference, whatever it is, um, yeah. he's gonna be there teaching. 
Carry the Love is promoting this event where Todd Bentley is at. Okay, so when you promote an event like that, you are promoting yeah. the people that are involved. So that's a that that's even if even if Carry the Love wasn't yeah. directly connected with with the NAR, that's even unwi- I would consider very unwise. I mean, Todd Bentley is a yeah. known heretic and charlatan. I mean, really, it's it's oh. It's really sad because he, he's deceived so many people. He's led so many people astray, and that's that's why I, I respond this way. Um, so Carry the Love, they, they, they're they in bed with this movement, and Carry the Love appeared at, and, and they were in the BCM, the Baptist Collegiate Ministry. Their organization is not Baptist yes. at all. It is charismatic. It's NAR. Yeah. It's, has, the, the SBC would not agree with um, their, the, this theology that is being taught there, um, another thing that I guess we can we can hit on is is something that's a little bit more, um, a little bit more nuanced than just oh the kenosis theory. It's it's about the Holy Spirit um, and emotions specifically. Um, a lot of people in the NAR would would are, are in this movement I believe because they are seeking out emotions. They want to feel good. They want to feel the presence of God. While I understand, you know, I think it's yeah. great that you're you're wanting to be in the presence of God. At the same time, it's concerning when people dress that up in language that suggests that they're essentially striving to attain that emotion. And to me, that that's not biblical. We are never called to 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 go for an emotion, to strive for an, an emotion. We are called to strive to be like Christ and Him alone. And any feelings that we get as a result of that is that's fine. But that's not why we're doing it. And also, um, you know, we have to be careful not to put the emotions at the centerpiece of our worship. We need to allow Christ to be the center of our worship uh, service, the preaching of the Word of God to be there at the center. And what you'll see a lot of times is, and we were talking about this too, Stephen, that a lot of these people will actually, um, they will have hours of worship and very little amount of time of preaching. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very common. I mean, now there, there are certain times where they are preaching, like you know, speaking or whatever, um, however, also, you'll see that the preaching itself is not very good. It's not very exegetical. They take a lot of passages out of context. They'll use passages in the in the book of Acts to essentially relate back to them. Um, Old Testament, I mean, there's that famous uh, video, uh, the Orange Conference. Uh, that's Stephen Furtick's conference they, they had, where um, there's John Gray that said, you know, we need to be like David. And Matt Chandler preached there at some point and said... You're not David, you know, and, and that's that's a pretty common video um, that's that's went around. But you know, all that to say, a lot of these preachers will essentially um, they'll they'll it's called atomizing. I think some there's a word for it. It's like atomizing or something. Uh, atomizing scripture, essentially, it's where they 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 get a scripture passage and essentially they will take it completely out of con- its original context. For example, I'll, I'll give you an example. I heard a, a speaker. Uh, a youth pastor actually one time um, used the story, uh, a story um, where Paul was shipwrecked. He was shipwrecked. Um, and um, the, the shipwrecking story, um, well, I'm, I forgot the island, but he, anyway, um, he was shipwrecked. He was, he was he 
went to the island, um, and he was at the, on the beach, um, and essentially a snake um, bit him. And so he, Paul, essentially you know, kind of shook the, the snake off, and um, the youth pastor used that as an illustration to show, hey, we need to shake our sin off. Like that was the whole point of the ser- the sermon yeah. was shaking sin off. Like Paul shook the the snake off. Well, that's not what the point of that text is, you know. And this will happen a lot at these different at these different um, movements. And, and carry the love. I know um, it's no different there. And they talk a lot about um, you know the being the generation, being the movement, being the the people of God that will stand up for for God and all that like you know which is, sounds good and 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 all but it's not in depth it's not um it, it doesn't help very much um it's not specific it's you know how do we stand up for God the muslims think that they're standing up for God you know the the jews that think they're standing up for God the catholics do the mormons do jehovah's witnesses do we all do. So what does it mean to truly stand up for God? And they would say standing up for God means to seek after these miracles, to seek after these wonderful acts of God, when in reality we both know that a lot of this is fake. And we'll get into some more specifics here in a second. But, Stephen, what's your thoughts on that? I know that was a lot that I said, but I'm um, jump in there and give your own thoughts, if you would. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Um yeah, it the movement is, and we say the movement because that's the intention of it is is this sort of movement, and like you said, there's you know what scripture is used is typically taken uh, out of context, if they even use it. Yeah, usually they give just a few verses lip service. For instance, I told you about how I listened to Todd White's hour and a half. Um, speaking engagement because it really wasn't a sermon because um he never touched his bible his bible literally sat for an hour and a half on the podium and he never opened it um he read two verses off of his ipad towards the end for to um to basically give credence to a rabbit trail that he had gotten off of his main point um so he never even he, – he spoke about his experiences. He, had, he spoke about things God had told him or God had told other people. He, he talked about you know his life. Uh, at best, it was his testimony. Um, he talked about the things God wanted to do, God could do, the things people could do. But he never went to Scripture. He ne- literally, for an hour and a half, never touched his Bible. And um, – this is it's this is this movement, and whether it's people who are directly connected to these teachers and following them, or just have the same beliefs, this is this is what it is. It's about it's not about necessarily studying scripture. It's about reading it and um, basically, you know, just living living out scripture and, and and not like you know finding its application through its context and all that but you know living you know in the miracles and the big crazy acts you know living you know like the book of acts or what they view as the book of acts you know all the miracles happening and all the crazy happening and just you know basically that's what they they want a lot of um, big spectacular things to be taking place every day uh, big miraculous things just 
bam, 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 bam happening. And um, that's what it's more about. It's about just living out this stuff rather than actually studying to say, okay, well, what does Scripture actually say? What does it say in context? What did it mean to the original people? Um, you know, all of those things, you know, biblical hermeneutics. Rather than that, it's, you know, reading into the text uh, and then going out and trying to, you know, perform these miracles and, and live and just do and just do and just do. And it's, it's really becoming, um, which it, it, it started to become when I was a part of it, um, because I was, um, I was Pentecostal. I was charismatic. I was part of a group very similar to the NAR. Now, I had never heard of Todd White. I'd never heard of Bill Johnson or Bethel Church or any of those guys. I'd never heard of IHOP. Um, well, that's a lie. I think I'd heard of IHOP, uh, International House of Prayer. I think I've, I had heard of them, mm-hmm. but I hadn't heard of those guys. But we were teaching. I was following pretty much the exact same things outside of you know just the outright heretical stuff. I was... I was marching right in line with a lot of this. And what it becomes is it becomes a religion of works. You have to be doing. You have to be performing. You have to be, um, you know, living out this stuff. But not as in, you know, your faith leads to this stuff. It is you are, you know, this is your salvation is working out this stuff you have to do these things in order to be saved and if you um if you and it works into the feelings as well because if you're not feeling the presence then that means something is wrong with you that you have to fix yeah otherwise you can lose your salvation um i remember one period in my life when i was and i was struggling with sin you know it was and uh, it was affecting me in my physical appearance. You know, I was downcast. I was downtrodden because I was, you know, under conviction that of my sin, and though it was affecting my psyche. Um, and one of the leaders in our group, she noticed, and she commented and commented to me. You know, um, asked how I was doing, told her, yeah, you know, okay. And she was like, look, whatever it is, you need to get it right, or you're going to get left behind. You know, she she outright told me, uh, you know, you're you're gonna pretty much lose out on salvation if you don't get right with God, and not like, you know, hey, I've been seeing this in your life, and we need, you know, we really need to be looking at your your assurance of salvation, but more in like the Catholic sense, which is, you you had assurance before, we saw you working and doing and moving in the Spirit, but. Now you're sinning and you've lost it, and so you need to be careful. You need to get back with God because you've yeah. lost your salvation. You've lost your salvation. You need to get it back. You need to get back in step with the Spirit, and that's what the, this, particularly with our generation and you know the ones a little bit younger than us in college and in, even in high school, uh, because Carrie the Love does have high school ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, they they are hearing this idea of. You need to do, 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 do. Uh, and you need to do as, um, you know, to to get out there and to work. And, you know, then this is, you know, your salvation. And if you're not doing or if you're struggling and if you're not feeling, if you don't feel the presence of God, 
then um, there is some great sin in your life. If you're not walking in healing, there's some great sin in your life. If you're, or, or you don't have enough faith. If um, you know you're, if you're not experiencing this stuff, then you know it's incumbent upon you to regain your salvation because you've potentially lost it, and it's. You know, it's faith plus signs plus works. Yeah. You know, is basically what it has become. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I mean, you shared, shared a lot of your own personal um, testimony there in a way. Um, that's, um, you know, um, that's unfortunate, and um, I'm not exactly sure how a lot of the, the people affected by this movement, and specifically this organization, Carry the Love, what they would say to that, but... Um, I'm sure some of them would probably disagree and say, you know, no, we should, we should, we are saved by faith, faith alone, yeah. by grace, and they would agree with the five solos and all of that, which is great. That's that's awesome. Um, however, probably it would be inconsistent within their own life. Um, would look differently in, in their own life if they actually, um, you know, um, understood the, the implications of what they are actually saying and doing. For example. Um, Many of them um, will say um, that um, that if God, if 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 you do not see signs and wonders being performed within your own life around you at your church, then God's not moving. The Holy Spirit is dead in your church. Um, the Holy Spirit yeah. is like that stepchild yeah. or step cousin or something, the stepbrother, whatever. He's just kind of off on this. And the thing is, is. The people I know in Baptist, and this is anecdotal, this isn't a fact across the board. I know there are probably Baptist churches across America that do not discuss the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, many probably ignore them. But, however, um, many, most of the Southern Baptist churches that I've come across love the Holy Spirit. They worship the Holy Spirit. They honor the Holy Spirit. Um, I know at my church, I mean, personally, we do. I know I'm a little biased. Um, but at Graceview, we we do for sure. Um, I know all the all the elders would affirm that. Not all of them are cessationists either. So whatever, but it doesn't matter. They they still yeah. love the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is powerful. Absolutely, the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to say to to sanctify us, um, to seal our salvation, to keep us, to guard us. Um, and, and the Holy Spirit is active in all parts of salvation, in our election, in our redemption, um, in our everything. I mean, He is there. He is present. He is powerful. However, that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is like a genie in the bottle or we can use the Holy Spirit to perform miracles just like Jesus did. That's, that's inconsistent with Scripture. Um, I mean, do we see miracles in the Bible? Absolutely. Do we see amazing things happening in the Bible? In fact, I'd go so far to say, do we see amazing things happen today? Yes, but it's not the same, and it doesn't. Um, it's it's not necessarily. Um, I think it's not supposed to look the same as many of the NAR uh, folks. Um, in, in the way that it does in many of the NAR uh, movement organizations, churches, etc. But. Um, you know, I saw a video from Carrie the Love. Um, just it, it, dude. I'm telling you, you, you know this about me, Grant and Jamie. We go to metal concerts, and you know, it uh-huh. it sounded and looked like a metal concert in this place. I mean, no lie. Yep. I mean, I know I'm gonna sound like a little like a fuddy duddy here, uh, like an old man. 
Um, <laughs> dude, the, worship is to be reverent before the Lord. Yeah. Not a concert. I, that, yeah. I've heard that so many times, and I've rolled my eyes so many times in church. Like, oh, you're just an old funny that No, this is... We are to be reverent before the Lord in the corporate service, and we are to sing together in unison, congregational, and not sing only because the music is so awesome and so, you know, loud and, and rambunctious and just, it, you know, I've been in so many of these worship services where I've just, I've felt this emotion, this this emotion, this sense of just, I don't know, some type of feeling within me. It's because of the music. It's because of the music. It pumps me up. Yeah. It gets me, it transforms my emotional state, which isn't, I mean, being, your emotional state being transformed like that, being heightened a little bit, isn't necessarily wrong as long as it's based on your worship, um, your, the knowledge of God in your worship. Yeah. So the thing is, though, I, I see in these, these, in these services, it's very little... The, the placement of theology is very low on these people's radars. It's all about feeling, 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 and maybe we'll put some scripture in there. Maybe yep. we'll dress it up in Christianese a yep. little bit. But overall, it's it's more about getting that feeling like you we've been discussing a lot. And in these videos, I saw that. I saw that a lot. And um, I have to say, um, I, I hope I I hope that the BCM will come out and and speak against this um and but you know i don't know uh, that's that's not my place i'm i'm just doing my part in in speaking against this yeah. um i love the bcm i believe the bcm is probably doing great things i'm not there so i'm not attacking the bcm one bit i'm not saying the bcm is wrong in any way shape or form i'm just simply saying this is what happened this group called carry the love is a problem it's 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 an issue. This organization, the people in there may be mean so well, yeah. And and they, I, I don't know, I don't know many of these people at all. They might even be Christians. I don't know. I don't know them personally, so I can't say one way or another. Yeah. But I do know um, that the theology, the practice coming out of this movement is um, a problem. Now, before we move on to kind of our last part of this, um, do you want to add any to the, anything to that, Stephen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, there's so much you, we could get into with all this, um, but uh, I just, I guess, uh, as quick as I can, uh, you talked about how um, some of them might would even agree with the five solas. We won't get into what all five are, but the like the the well, the one usually put first is like sola scriptura because that's where all the others stream out of. Is the idea that our authority is scripture alone. And I would say that yeah. while some may assent to that verbally, that in practice, that it is not sola scriptura. It is not scripture alone as our authority because um, it is about um, your your authority over living a, a, a godly life, which that's what scripture is. It's not authority over, you know, necessarily like every aspect, you know. The Bible is not my authority on how to drive my car or how to use the cell phone or something like that, but it's authority on how to live this life, how to live it godly, um, how to follow God, how to please Him, all those sorts of things. And in practice, and some may even say this, that it's not Scripture alone. It is Scripture plus prophecy. 
or what they would say hearing from God um, and that's one of the big things about um, the charismatic movement in general is the idea of you get your input you get how to live your life you are led daily um, even to the point of moment by moment not by what you glean from scripture and the study of it but what you glean from God speaking to you uh, in the form of you know basically you know thoughts in your mind um, him speaking to you and leading you and guiding you uh, day by day I mean and that's that has become extremely prevalent throughout not just charismatic churches and movements, but throughout evangelical churches in general. You have lots of uh, Southern, you know, we're Southern Baptists. Mm -hmm. You have lots of Southern Baptist leaders who, you know, teach that and teach from that standpoint. Um, and I won't get into them and who all they are or whatever name names of them. That, that's for another deal. But, um, you know, it's that idea of you you hear from God and you get that. And, you know, my Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. I Amen. cannot trust the thoughts of my own brain. And to know, you know, okay, this voice is God. This Because my Bible is makes it very clear. Look, the prophets never wondered, hey, is this is what I'm hearing from God or is it not? You know, it was thus said the Lord. This was, you know, there was no question. This is God. Um and so for me to have to wonder, okay, is it, is this God? Is it not? You know, there's that whole thing and it, it, it can just make it a mess. Um, and that's why they're all unified. You know, that's why they're all doing conferences together. That's why Todd Bentley's coming back because if he's hearing from God, Hey, what can we do? You know, the dude's saying he's hearing from God. So, I mean, He's hearing from God. We can't say no, he's not, because then they could turn around and say, no, we're not. So, I mean, who's right? <laughs> yeah. So you can't use Scripture as your basis anymore because, hey, God speaks to everybody, which is nowhere in my Bible. Um, but anyway, uh, and to the feelings, again, the feelings are a big thing that can just ruin because here's what they, you know, they equate feeling to knowing. You know, anytime you see in Scripture, know, know the Lord your God, mm -hmm. know God, you know, that whole, the song, be still and know that I am God, they equate that to a feeling, a sensation mm -hmm. of, you know, feeling God and, you know, oh, just be still and know God. Mm -hmm. That's not mm -hmm. what that means. That means acknowledge Him. That means be mindful, think, know Him. When you don't feel like, you know, you're in a good place when you don't feel like you trust him when you don't feel like things are going your way when you are down in the dumps that is when you need to know god mm -hmm. not have to struggle your way back up to god but right. that's when you need to know god is and who he is and what he has done but they equate feelings that sensation that emotion like you say um with god and that whole idea of you know the concert experience making that worship is that, you know, you have to be feeling something. You have to be having emotion because their view of worship is right. that worship is an experience. 
Now, I think you would probably agree with me that worship is, it can be an experience, but the main focus should be, no, it should be uplifting the name of God. It should be praising Him. It should be glorifying Him. It should be uplifting Him, acknowledging Him, knowing, thinking, being mindful of the words you're saying, being mindful of your own heart, in pushing yourself down on your knees, you know, in, in the spiritual sense, bowing the knee to God and uplifting Him and glorifying Him. Whereas for a charismatic, it would be more the idea of, um, you know, being in a relational sense with God, being in the room with God, you know, feeling God. It, it's more of um, that sort of uh, almost quasi-romantic idea of, you know, feeling and knowing and being there with God and, you know, feeling His presence and all of that sort of thing. That would be right. more of their ideas. It's that experience. They would still say that they're glorifying God and uplifting God. They would still say that. Yeah. But that it's this more intimate thing than your cold religion where, you know, you stand in the pew and you sing your hymn. And, you know, I, I put all the time, look, because it's not about our experience, you can you can worship God through some modern contemporary worship song or you can worship him with a hymn and a piano. You know, it doesn't matter what the medium is it's about the fact that you are you know the point is god not your experience um so it doesn't matter what position you are in when you worship him as long as you are acknowledging him worshiping him uplifting him and making him the point of it not your experience um and so i think that's all i've got from that but yeah. Um. Quick question for you, because I, I seriously am. This is a serious question that I'm. I'm. I haven't really thought a whole lot about until recently. Do you know of anywhere in the Bible where um, prophecy, in context, means that you, the prophet, essentially is is speaking a word to another person, and that specific word is nothing necessarily inherently wrong. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's also, um, it's something about that person, um, like. Oh hey, I just received a word from the Lord. You are to do this, or I received a word from the Lord, and you feel this way. And I, I know, I know, you know, you're feeling this way. I know you're going through this. Here it is. L- let me encourage you. Like, is is that in Scripture? If so, I'm curious where it's at. Uh I think in the New Testament, in some places, it talks about, um, like in First Corinthians. Uh, it talks about prophecy being for the encouragement of the brethren. However, it does not get very specific in what manner of encouragement. Um, like, uh, you know, is it a prophecy received by the pastor and then he speaks it over the entire congregation? Therefore, it uplifts the entire congregation at once. Uh, it, it's it doesn't get specific enough. However, in specific instances of prophets. Um, receiving word from God for specific individuals, typically um, it is their their messages of rebuke. Um, you think of John the Baptist, who doesn't even record necessarily that he received a divine word. He just called out Herod for his sin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the Old Testament prophets who would call out individual kings, Elijah and Ahab, uh, Nathan and David. It was always um, to rebuke and to call for the repentance of the individual they were, um, you know, 
prophesying to, who they had received a very specific prophecy for. And that's another thing. The prophecies were very specific. Um, there was no room for extra interpretation. Like uh, when you hear somebody receive a word from God today for someone else, uh, especially, it is typically left up to the person who's receiving it to interpret it. It's like it's fairly vague. It's like it's like you know the person had limited knowledge of the other individual's situation, and so just kind of came up with their idea of what's going on, and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but their prophecy was vague enough that it could fit what that person is going through. Um, and so usually it's left up to the individual who receives it to interpret it, and typically they can find some situation in their life to fit that prophecy into, and then it's like, oh, well, look, that's that proves it. Not really. Not really. Like, I can look at somebody and not know a specific thing going on in their life, but still see they're going through something. They're dealing with something. And, you know, go and attempt to offer some sort of encouragement. But typically because the idea that God speaks to every single individual believer, that's not in Scripture. Even if prophecy does still exist, even if, it, you know, the continuation position is correct, then there are only some called to prophets. You know, Paul was very explicit. Some are called to prophets. Some are called to tongues. Some are called to interpret tongues and down the list. So not every believer is going to hear from God anyway. They're not going to receive, every believer is not going to receive prophecy. Right. But, you know, in these charismatic movement and churches, everybody does to encourage each other and uplift each other. And the prophecies are always very vague enough so you can put it in with whatever situation you're dealing with and receive some form of encouragement or uplifting or even sometimes rebuke but it's it's typically vague and it's left up to the receiver to interpret right okay wow yeah um so um the last thing i wanted to talk about specifically related to carry the love is um i saw a picture today of someone uh, a part of the Carry the Love movement, um, baptizing another individual in the fountain um, at McNeese. Um, apparently, yeah. this is what I was told. I'm not 100% sure on this. But I was told that they weren't even supposed to do that. They didn't get permission, all that. They did it anyway. Um, and so, um, <laughs> what did you say? Okay, so um, you know um, the another thing. This is kind of separate, kind of related to this whole thing, um, and it shows a huge problem in in this movement. Um, they're baptizing people without any um, local church authority. There's no elders there, pastors there to oversee it. Um, personally, I would prefer a pastor. Um, actually perform the baptism. That's that's my conviction on that. Um, I'm not saying that that has to be done that way. Um, I, I don't know for sure, but that's what my, that's my preference um, in that case. But um, whenever you're just you're an organization going out to a college and someone comes to know Christ or puts their faith in Jesus or you know uh, says a prayer, whatever it is, and they the, someone in the group just baptizes them, you know, like it's nothing. Um, it it completely yeah. it completely um, contradicts um, the scriptural backing of the local church. Um, 
the early church, I mean, you can go throughout church yeah. history. Baptism is an ordinance, sacrament, whatever you want to call it. It is that, uh, that is, that belongs to the local church. It does not belong to care the love. No offense to them. It doesn't belong to them. Yeah. It belongs to the local church to perform that. And honestly, before yeah. you baptize somebody, you need to know, hey, is this salvation legit? Is this person going to become a member of the church? Because in the early church, baptism was a big deal because when you were baptized, that was when you became a part of the church, like the local church. I'm not talking about the universal yeah. church at whole. Now, there's a distinction between the universal and yeah. the local church. The universal is all believers of across the world, every continent, yada, yada, of all time. That's the universal church. Um, all the all of the elect, all of God's people, the um, local church is the visible um, group of people who are believers, God's people, gathered together in a building. It's it's usually gathered in a building, a tent, yeah. whatever. Not you know, it doesn't matter. So, but a, a baptism, it doesn't have to be done in that church. I'm not saying that either. However, to just Oh, we're going to have this, you know, revival, this movement, this organization come to the school. They're going to do these things, lead worship. Someone comes to know Christ. They baptize someone in the school fountain without permission. And, okay, that's great. That It shows a lack of uh, church authority, local church authority. And to me, it's it's kind of borderline, seems a little bit more... Um, I, you know, it, it just it seems inappropriate. Um, it really does, um, to be honest. And I, I think I think that's a, a, that's sort of a big de- now. If that's all they did wrong, like if that's all like there's nothing else. Everything else was solid. You know, say like for example, um, yeah. the, the G3 conference did this or whatever. Okay, for example, um, that I mean, okay, I would still have a problem with that, but I wouldn't make a podcast about that. Um, but all of the problems in the NAR that's tied to the care of the love that's been established, along with this, it, it just shows a lot of, um, I think, um, ignorance in theology and uh, local church, ecclesiology, um, a lot of different areas. So um, yeah. that I was kind of want to get in your, your um, you know, your, your, um, Reaction of that? What's 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 your response from that? Well, I can tell you, I can probably, I, I won't say one hundred percent. I can tell you what that's from, but I can probably tell you what's from. And this goes back into my experience because the the charismatic movement, the particularly in AR, not necessarily Pentecostals. Um, they're, they're, I don't. They're charismatic, but I don't view them in the same circles necessarily as the NAR. Um, uh, the charismatic movement that is, as it is now is very unorganized church um, related. Like they, uh, the carry the love uh, video we watched, um, they stress several times the need to break free from religion. And when they say that, they mean an organized local church with a pastor and deacons or elders um, and pews and all that. You need to break free from that. Uh, and typically what they prefer is more of a house church model 
that does not really have leadership in place. There might be some people who, you know, for all intents and purposes, fulfill the role of leadership, but there's no real deacons or elders or pastor. Um, it's kind of a free-for-all, and that's what I grew up in, um, was this house group. Um, we met in homes, um, and there was no leadership period. And there were the older members who were kind of the leadership and would sort of lead things, but don't dare call them pastor. Um, don't dare call them elders. Don't don't dare even suggest organizing some sort of church, uh, or definitely not getting a building. You know, it it, it throws off any pretense of being a traditional, um, you know, church as we understand it. You know, with a building or anything. Not that a building makes a church. Um, it's probably some of the sweetest, greatest churches are you know, found overseas that meet in huts or under trees. And, uh, you know, so it's not the building, but it's the idea, you know, in the New Testament, um, the Holy Spirit through the writers of the New Testament laid out a um, local church um, authority system where you've got a pastor, you've got elders because there are false teachers out there and you need shepherds you need guides who are well studied who are mature who have certain credentials as far as their character goes who can watch out for those and keep the local flocks on the on the right theological doctrinal path well the charismatic movement throws that totally out the window they believe that the early church of acts um, were house groups who pretty much it was everybody brought their own word and everybody heard from God and everybody taught. Um, you know, that's complementarianism, egalitarianism isn't even a question in charismatic movement. Uh, it's men, women, free for all. Um, it, it's and it's everybody brings their word, everybody comes with what they've heard from God, everybody comes with their part for the meeting, whether it's it is a literal word from God, it's a scripture, it's a song, it's a, a you know a healing, it's laying on of hands, it's tongues, it's whatever. Everybody comes and brings something, and there's no organization to it. It's all go with the flow. Um, that's why in a lot of like the charismatic conferences and things um, and the events, you'll have. Um, spontaneous worship they call it yeah um if you watch a lot of hillsong or bethel jesus culture youtube videos and stuff you'll see like the title of the song and then in parentheses behind it spontaneous worship that means that they've gone off script and they've just done something totally out of the blue probably not probably planned it honestly in those kind of events but that's the idea it's just you go with the spirit and so there's no real structure to it there's no uh, and so when groups like Carry the Love come around, because they buck that model, they believe that they are acting as the Church of Acts, you know, A-C-T-S, worked, they, uh, they pretty much go with the flow. And hey, if someone gets saved, someone pref or someone professes salvation, then let's do this thing. Uh, we are the church, they would say. You know, uh, we don't need some local building and organization to back us up. We are the church, and so we have authority. Even though um, 
you know, they may not have someone who qualifies anywhere near their organization, you know. They would still say, hey, we're the church. We're all equal believers. You know, we're all equal in the sight of God, you know. And so we can, we have the freedom to baptize when, you know, you're exactly right. Look, we need to, we need to be sure. And that takes local people who are not going to leave the next day. That takes a local church who's going to be here with that person, uh, a pastor, an uh, elder board, or a deacon board, you know, for Southern Baptist. Someone who is going to come alongside them, disciple them, look at them and say, okay, let's talk about this. What do you think salvation is? What is the gospel? What, what was your experience that brought you to this place what you believe is salvation? go through all those steps but because the charismatic movement is built on excitement and feeling we don't have time for that yeah we've got to get you going we've got to get you you know we get get you saved get you baptized and then uh, um immediately get you out doing the work uh you know going out in the street talking to people performing miracles healing because you know we just we got to get you out there uh, and you've got to start doing because you know that's that's what it's about it's about doing it's not about um this it's not about glorifying god it's about doing for god because if you're not doing for god because you know, I guess he needs you to do stuff for him. If you're not doing, then you're not in, you know, you're not doing it. You know, you're not here for God. You know, you're not uh, saved. You, you know, you've got to be doing stuff, um, which, is, which is a reason why there's such a big draw for our generation because, you know, we're, we're tired of not doing anything. We don't, you know. Most of us in this generation get to a point where, look, we're tired of sitting around. We're tired of being being stuck, you know, and just, look, we want to get out and we want to do something. And so the charismatic movement comes along and say, hey, I got you. Let, let's go. Let's go perform some miracles. Let's go lengthen some legs. Let's go, you know, cure people of headaches. Um, and <laughs> that's a whole other thing about the healing um, because they're all about healing, but they will never, ever touch uh, even though they believe in the gift of healing, like you talked about, you know, we still believe in miracles. Um, we pray for somebody, and God can miraculously heal somebody. One day they've got cancer, the next day they go for a checkup, and it's gone. I believe, I believe God can do that. Right. However, they believe that you can go up, and someone can have the gift of healing, and that they can touch somebody, and that person be healed. Todd White's a big one with that. Uh, you mentioned Todd Bentley, who punches people to heal them. Um, but it's always ridiculous stuff. It's stuff that you can overcome through psychological manipulation, like headaches, back pains, you know, joint pains, some just mild stuff that will eventually come back. They never touch St. Jude's. They don't go to, you know, to any hospitals. They don't go to any ERs. They, they don't, you know, Christ you know, regrew muscle that was in atrophy since people were born. You know, people who never walked, their muscles could not, would never be able to maintain their weight. Jesus said, be healed. And they stood up and they got up and they jumped and they danced and they did all that. Jesus didn't just rub somebody's ankle and lengthen their leg. That's not what it was. But anyway, uh, so 
Yeah, I was actually I think I'm you, dude, with my spiel there. Dude, you took what I was gonna say. I was um, there's someone that was in, is involved in um, Carry the Love. Um, uh, she this this person um, actually um, saw someone on the side of the road, stopped, went and healed her. Apparently, she had pain somewhere in her body or whatever, and she was miraculous. He, she she went up there and healed her, and, and you know. I was gonna say the same exact thing. It's never, it's never anything like super serious, like cancer or you know. Take Justin Peters for example. Um, Justin Peters is for those of you who do, yeah. do not know this. He's a uh, guy that essentially will um, he speaks very. Um, he's a discernment ministry guy. Um, there are some bad discernment ministry guys. He's a good one in my opinion. Um, he speaks out against the charismatic movement yeah. often. Uh, I, I I love Justin Peters, but anyway, he is actually I think he has cerebral palsy, um, and um, he has went to so many of these healings. You know, these uh, a lot of these uh, charismatics will have like healings, um, healing services, and so essentially they'll 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 go. He he'll go to these. He's been to Benny Hinn. He's been to. I mean, tons of them, um, from what he said. And, like, he's been to one um, where um, he was in line. This is in the American Gospel, actually. It showed this. He was in line waiting to get up on stage and be, quote-unquote, healed. And when when that, when, when that was happening, um, someone uh, was helping him up, starting to help him, uh, you know, up there. And then another person came around to that person that was helping Justin Peters and, and whispered, uh, in her ear, hey, you know, tell this one to to go off to the side and just just pray, you know. So that's what what he that's what he did. They they would not let him up on the stage to be healed, quote unquote. And so that I'd use as an example is like this happens very very often where people will will say that hey I healed this person and you ask them okay would you you know would you actually heal? Oh, I healed. They had some soreness in their leg. You know, it's like. Okay, well, um, can you heal? Can you heal my sister who has cancer, please? You know, like my my sister does not have cancer, by the way. But you know, just as an example, you know, um, my my this lag is so funny. Um, my I mean, my grandma had cancer. I mean, if someone in my family, you know, had this miraculous gift of healing, could they go and heal her? I mean, they should. You know, so like it just doesn't make any yeah. sense. I posted actually a kind of a meme that kind of picked on that a little bit, and um, you know it's so true. I mean, why are the healers not at at St. Jude? I, I have no clue. I would love to ask them. Now, some charismatic. Now, these are the mild ones. These are like John Piper. They would say, well, people have the gift of healing, but they won't always heal. To me, that that doesn't. If we're gonna yeah. go based off of scripture and say, okay, our healing, yeah. yeah, our healing today is just like the healing back in scripture. It needs to look exactly the same, you know. I mean, I would assume. Now, if you admit that, hey, it's changed, then maybe, maybe the gifts have ceased. I mean, if something's changed in that way. But I mean, the the, the NAR and it, by extension, carry the love. They don't they don't differentiate between the two in the New Testament. And now we should be doing exactly what the church, early church, did in the Book of Acts. the 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 bad thing though is the the Book of Acts is not a theological. Um, Discourse. It's not a book to say that to communicate to believers. Hey, this is how you should yeah. live your life in the Christian faith. It's early church history. It's it's early church history. That's what it is. Luke was a church historian. He is the first church historian. Um, uh, scholars agree on that. Yeah. So to me, you know that 
it just it doesn't line up. The theology doesn't line up. The practice it's inconsistent, and um, unfortunately, the NAR is um, is very aggressive, and it has um, infiltrated our churches. And um, Carry the Love has done a very good job of of pushing that too. So um, you know, again, this is not an attack on any one person, but this is. Uh, you know, this this not, does need to be discussed. And, hey, discuss this in your churches. I highly encourage that for those of you listening. Discuss these issues because um, you don't know what your fellow believers, your peers in your church are, are, are being fed when they're away from church. Um, many of them are probably listening to Bethel, Elevation Worship, etc. And they might check out Bill Johnson. But hey, if you don't believe me, if you're like, Jared, you don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, Stephen, you sound great, but you know what? I'm, you know, I, I would encourage anyone, please go to Bill Johnson's website, go to Bethel's website, go look them up on your own, and see for yourself. You'll see that that NAR is very aggressive, and they teach what we presented. Now, it doesn't mean every person in in the NAR agree. Do they agree with it? Not necessarily. I'm not saying that. However, this movement at the NAR, it, it it starts from the top and it goes all the way down. The influence is very consistent. And there's some form of false doctrine, false theology, heterodoxy involved in that structure at some point. So be wise, be careful. Um, if you are someone that is involved in the NAR and you want to have a discussion about this, please contact me. Please discuss. I'd love to discuss this with you. Um, I'm open to discussing these things. I want to read your books. I'm, I'm planning on reading more about on this. Reading, you know, Bill Johnson. I've read a little bit of his stuff, but not not much to be honest. Um, Stephen, um, have you read anything from Bill Johnson or any of those other guys? No, I can't say that uh, I've ever read anything that I know of. I, I do my best to try to hear them out like i said i listened to todd, todd white sermon the other day yeah uh, i listened to the carry the love uh sermon the other day uh so i i really don't want to misrepresent yeah um who they are and what they're saying um and but uh, at the same time i'm not going to devote you know all my life to this because you know uh i can eventually that'll drag you down just listen to all that um yeah because it really is it's it's empty it's just so empty yeah um steven uh do you have anything that you want to add before we we close up here no i would i would just reiterate what you said about you know look this if you are someone who supports carry the love or Todd White or Bill Johnson or something like that, or, you know, you just love Bethel Church's ministry or any organization connected with that, or you're, you, you view yourself as charismatic, uh, you know, this is not an attack on you to say, oh, you're a terrible person, you're going to hell, you're a heretic, you're blaspheme or something like that. Not at all. Um, you know, this is, um, this is us seeing a, a movement and its leadership, those or those who are guiding it, um, as holding to some very very dangerous we're we're just following through with what christ said and in warning the flock warning the sheep listen you need to be aware that there is this movement and they teach these things because you know 
setting aside the, the gifts aside, continuationism aside, they undermine the the gospel itself uh, with what we talked about toward the beginning uh, about what their views of Christ are. They yeah. undermine the very gospel. They undermine the master, like what you read from Second Peter. Yeah. Look, they they teach differently about the master, about our Messiah. And so you you know those in the movement, whether or not you give up your beliefs on the gifts or not, I, that, that's secondary to me. I like to tell um, people, you know, one of the best gospel presentations I have ever heard, and that includes from Reformed people, was a gospel presentation I heard over the radio from some old Pentecostal preacher. I don't even remember his name. I never caught his name. Uh, I didn't even know he was Pentecostal until after he finished his gospel presentation. But it was one of the most powerful, most, one of the most clear, one of the most biblical gospel presentations. And then he went on to talk about, you know, how while tongues are necessary, you know, and they're not necessary for salvation, he'd love everyone to talk in tongues, but, you know, the other Pentecostals need to get over themselves about it being a requirement. But, um, so this isn't an argument necessarily about gifts. You know, that's that's a whole other topic, a whole other discussion. It's about, listen, some of these other core doctrines about Christ himself and how it is influencing the other teaching and how it is you know, leading people into this roller coaster of an experience where they have to chase the emotion, they have to chase the feeling, they have to work, they have to do, and they have to see these signs. Uh, and if they're not, then they are just devastated. And I speak from experience because, you know, I lived this, I experienced that, that need to constantly, because you'd go to a meeting and it'd be up on the mountaintop. You would be there with God. You'd get home, and a week, two weeks, a month later, you'd fall back into sin, and you would fall because you had this idea that I should be walking pretty much sinlessly. Right. And if I sin, then, man, I've just fallen off the cliff. And I, I experienced it. I saw other people experience it, you know, go through that turmoil of any little misstep in it's you know, where's God? What have I done? You know, what's, uh, how do I get back? It's just devastating to people. And so that here, the, you know, here our heart, this is not about just striking out and attacking somebody who's different. This is about, you know, these are people I care about. You know, I'm a youth pastor. I see my kids coming up and I see this influencing what they're hearing. And, you know, the conferences that they go to and camps they go to, and I worry about them that they don't go through what I went through. And this is, you know, this is out of a heart of love for God's people and God's universal church, uh, the invisible church, as you said. Yeah, right. Well, Stephen, um, thank you so much, bro, for uh, for being on this uh, episode. I know it's long, an hour and a half. Um, that's the longest I've I've done on this on this podcast. So, uh, but thank you, man. Um, I appreciate it. Um, so anyway, folks, uh, thank y'all for tuning in. I hope y'all have a great week. Uh, contact me if you have any, have any questions or would like to discuss, uh, this topic. Uh, but anyway, God bless.